We've come to the last message in our eight-part series on the book of 2 Timothy. The challenge to guard the gospel, suffer for the gospel, continue in the gospel, and preach the gospel has not been lost on us. We've been leaning in and listening carefully to what the Apostle Paul is, is saying here because we realize that this is the last letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. And the final words, the final words of people that we love and respect are important to us. Paul's final words to us are important. So if you have your Bible or a Bible app, please take them now and, and open them up to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is the text for our message this morning. In the closing paragraphs of his final letter, Paul says to Timothy, beginning in verse 9, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. So this morning, as we think about faithfulness to God, as we think about who is a good example of faithfulness, our minds, of course, are drawn quickly to the Apostle Paul. We read these words last Sunday uh, from 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 to 8, but I need to go back to them again this morning to put everything in context here Paul says in verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. What a statement that is. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So, yes, of course, the Apostle Paul is a, is a good example of faithfulness, a valuable and worthy example for us to imitate and follow. But there are others. In fact, there's a whole list of people that, that Paul gives us here, starting with Timothy in verse 9. 
He says to Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. Twice Paul urges Timothy to come as quickly as he can. Here in verse 9 and again later in verse 21. His desire for Timothy's urgent visit probably has something to do with Paul's understanding, his sense that his his life and his ministry were, were drawing to a close. But I also think it shows the close bond between these two, between Paul, the older gospel-centered discipler, and Timothy, the younger gospel-centered pastor. There was a wonderful love relationship between these two men, and they were not afraid to show it. Paul's ultimate desire was to see his Savior, of course, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He, he longed to see the Savior, but he also wanted to see his, his spiritual son, Timothy, who was a, a faithful friend and a, a faithful servant of God. By way of contrast, Demas, who loved the world more than he loved the Savior, deserted Paul. Timothy stuck with him, Demas deserted him. Demas is not a good example of faithfulness, quite the opposite, in fact. But Paul mentions him here, so we talk about him in the context of faithfulness. He's a a bad example of, of faithfulness. He deserted Paul. The word deserted is a very strong verb in the Greek New Testament. It means to utterly abandon and, and, and to leave someone who is in a terrible situation, deserted. Some of you have been deserted by other people. And desertion always brings pain with it. I've been deserted. I, I'm sure that some of you have also. It, and it hurts badly. While some people like, like Timothy can be wonderful sources of joy and, and support... Others can be sources of despair, and and that was Demas. He was a a source of despair and discouragement in Paul's life. And you know, you and I have a choice. (laughs) Every day, you make a choice to be a Timothy or a Demas. You you, you choose to be like Timothy, who brought encouragement and and support and and joy and hope. Or, Or you choose to be a Demas and bring despair and discouragement into people's lives. So what's it going to be? Hardly seems like a choice, does it? Paul goes on to say that Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, and Tychicus to Ephesus. All three of these men were sent by the church to preach and teach the gospel in different places, different venues. All of them were a blessing, and all of them were an example of faithful ministry in spite of the hardships that they would have endured along the way. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, they helped the believers in the churches that they ministered in to, to stand firm and be steadfast in the faith. And I think that's Paul's, Paul's goal in, 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 in sharing about these people. He's talking about examples of faithfulness to encourage us to stand firm to the end. In 1940, a man by the name of uh, Clarence Jordan bought a large farm in the state of Georgia, and he wanted to use that farm as a haven for racial unity and cooperation. But in 1954, the Ku Klux Klan burned every building on the farm except for Jordan's home. 
In the midst of the raid, and remember, these guys are wearing white hoods. In the midst of the raid, Jordan recognized the voice of a local newspaper reporter. And the next day, that reporter came by the farm and and, uh, hoping to do a story about the arson while the rubble was still smoldering. He found Jordan out in a field who was planting seeds and hoeing his field. He said to Jordan, I I, I heard the awful news of the arson last night and the fire that destroyed your farm, and I came to do a story on the closing, the closing of your farm. Jordan just kept planting and hoeing. The reporter kept prodding him about the, the farm closing because of the fire, but Jordan gave no response. Finally, the reporter said, listen, Mr. Jordan, you have two PhDs. You you put 14 years into this farm, and, and now there's nothing left. Just how successful do you think you've been? And that's when Jordan stopped. He looked the reporter in the eye and said, I am a follower of Jesus. It's not about success. It's about faithfulness. Crescens went to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, and Tychicus to Ephesus. They were faithful in what God called them to do. And they were faithful to go where God called them to go. We don't know how successful they were. We don't know anything about their, their work there. But they were faithful. And so was Clarence Jordan. Will you be faithful to do what God calls you to do? Will you be faithful to go where God calls you to go? Then in verse 11, Paul mentions Luke by name. Not much else. He just says, Luke alone is with me. (laughs) Luke, this dearly loved physician, was a a loyal friend and a loyal companion to to Paul. And he stands in sharp contrast to Demas and Alexander. We'll, We'll meet him in just a moment. And concerning Mark, Paul writes, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. Well, you might remember the story of Mark or John Mark. You you might recall that when Paul went on his first missionary journey, this gentleman, John Mark, went along with him. But, But somewhere along the way, John quit. John Mark quit, and he just went back to Jerusalem. We're not told much more than that. And later, Barnabas wanted to take... Uh, John Mark with them on another trip, but Paul rejected the idea because, because he viewed John Mark as a deserter. But now he's saying, bring Mark, bring Mark with you. He could be very useful for me in ministry. So, so Mark gets restored to ministry, and he gets restored in his friendship with Paul, his relationship with Paul. And that's a very encouraging story for me. It should be for you too. Despite the mistakes and the rejection and the shame and the hurt and the failure, Mark is restored to ministry again. He gets gets put back in the game, you see. So there's hope for me and there's hope for you. That encourages me. Yes, 
relationships in the body of Christ can be strained at times or, or even broken, but by the grace of God, they can be repaired. We can be reconciled to one another like Paul and John Mark were. Jesus repaired Mark and Paul's relationship. And Jesus can repair your broken relationships too if you'll just give him room to do it. Paul goes on to mention Carpus, who faithfully watched over Paul's books and his parchments. Verse 13, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. We know so little about Carpus, the guy with a funny name, but Paul entrusted him with a very important job. He looked after Paul's books and, and, and the parchments while Paul was in prison. Now, parchments were very expensive. They were vellum sheets made of treated animal hides, and they were used for important documents like, like legal papers. And so it's not outrageous to think that these parchments may have contained important Christian material. Perhaps they even contained the words of Jesus or, or accounts of his ministry. But Carpus was the faithful keeper of these parchments and the books that Paul loved while Paul was in prison. He was the faithful keeper of these documents, and he humbly and respectfully and faithfully fulfilled his duty in the mission of the gospel. That was his job. No task that you do for, for God is, is insignificant. And, and you don't have to preach or be a, 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 an evangelist or become a missionary in order to serve the King of Kings. Maybe God is calling you just to be a, a keeper of books or to, to look out for the parchments. I don't know. Something insignificant as far as you're concerned. But, but listen, nothing you do for God, nothing you do for God is unimportant. And then there's Alexander an obvious opponent to Paul and to the gospel. 2 Timothy 4.14, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm, Paul writes. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. This guy did great harm to Paul. He did great harm to the advance of the gospel, and he opposed the message of the gospel of God. And friends, we must remember to let God himself repay people like this. I mean, we, we, we wanna, we're, we're eager to take things into our own hands and, and make everything right, but individuals and special interest groups who work hard to defeat us or cause harm to the work of the kingdom will be repaid by God himself one day. Just leave it with the Lord. You don't have to become the, the self-appointed judge, judge and jury of the world. God's got that, that job covered. Look at Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God will look after it. Just leave it with Him. Take your hands off. Let, let God... Take care of it. And then if we jump ahead to verses 19 to 21, we, we read Paul's greetings to his friends in other places. Prisca, and Aquila, 
Onesiphorus, Erastus, and Trophimus, and Eubulus, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brothers. Now, he just kind of runs them all together. We don't know very much about these friends of Paul, but he seems to acknowledge them on account of their faithfulness in the ministry of the gospel. The, the, these people, they, they, they all show us how, how faithful saints through the years have helped and served and blessed the body of Christ. Multitudinous people that have, have blessed us over the years and, and sometimes, sometimes in, 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 in big ways, notable ways, and, and sometimes small ways. Some of the people watching from home today are, are some of the very people that I have in mind. We have friends from Niagara Falls, Keith and Melanie Hilborn, for example, who, who have been some of the most faithful friends we've ever had in our lifetime. They've encouraged us with their faithfulness so very many times. And while the, the people that, that Paul lists here might be unknown to us, they are not unknown to God. God sees all. God knows all. And nothing you do for God ever goes unnoticed. I know I've used this story before, but it's so good. A great English conductor was directing a rehearsal in which the orchestra was joined by a, a, a great chorus. Halfway through the session with trumpets blaring and drums rolling and violins singing their rich melody, the, the piccolo player mutters to himself, well, what good am I? Nobody can hear me play this little piccolo anyway. I might as well not even play. And so he held his instrument to his mouth, but, but he made no sound. Within a matter of seconds, the conductor cried, stop, stop, stop. Where is the piccolo? I can't hear the piccolo. So you see, whether your, your talent is great or small, the performance is not complete unless you use what you have been given by God. You have something, you have something significant, something valuable to contribute. doesn't matter what, what other people think about it. God has given you a, a gift. He's given you a mission. He's given you a, a passion. He's given you an interest. And, and you have something to offer the body of Christ. You have something that we need here at the gathering. You owe it to God. You owe it to God to be faithful in your service to King Jesus and to his church. You can help the rest of us to stand firm to the end. You can help us endure to the end. Good examples of faithfulness are helpful. Yes, they are. But the, at the end of the day, they're simply, they're simply good human examples. The perfect example of faithfulness, however, can be found only in Jesus. Let's have a look. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Paul writes, At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord stood by me, Paul says. The Lord 
will rescue me, he says. Jesus is faithful in all he does all the time. He's faithful in his obedience to the Father. He's faithful in the atonement. He's faithful in calling us to salvation. He's faithful in protecting his sheep. Jesus is faithful in keeping his promise, in defending his people, in giving us peace. He's faithful in in, in granting forgiveness. He's faithful in all that he does. He's the perfect example of faithfulness. And he is our source of faithfulness by the grace of God. Paul says it very clearly. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me. And he wants to do the same for you. He will do the same for you. That's why he deserves the glory. And Paul says, to him be the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. To him be the glory forever. He's the the perfect example of faithfulness. Jesus is faithful by extending grace to us. Look at 2 Timothy 4.22. The Lord be with your spirit Grace be with you. Now we began this exposition of 2 Timothy by acknowledging the gospel-centered content of this letter. We said this, this letter is all about the gospel. It's saturated with gospel content. It's all about the gospel of God, the gospel of grace. And that's proved to be true, hasn't it? As we've studied the entire letter now, coming to the very end of chapter 4. And God has called us to guard the gospel and to, so that we can have something substantial and something significant to hand off to the next generation without apology and without compromise. And that's what we need to do. And that's why every last one of us needs to, to be faithful and stand firm to the end. Along the way, we heard that only about 6% of Canadians are considered to be evangelical affiliates. That means that only about 6% of the population actually believe in the Christ-centered, God-breathed, totally sufficient scriptures as the Word of God. We're only one generation away from losing the gospel in this country. So we need to, we must stand firm to the end. We must be faithful to the end. That's why every last one of us needs to endure and continue in what we have learned and firmly believed. And so I declare the same gospel blessing over you today. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you as you view this service online, at home, or in your car, wherever you might be. Grace be with you today. This we know. We will see the enemy run. Yes, we will. This we know. We will see the victory come. But we must guard the gospel, hold on to every promise Jesus ever made, and stand firm to the end. Are you with me? Good. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we we humbly bow before you in this moment. To say that we love you, Lord. We, we adore you. We, we worship you today. 
And we thank you for Jesus and for the good news. By your grace and for your glory, Lord, we, we choose living hope and great mercy. We, we, we choose to guard the gospel where we can, suffer for the gospel when we must, continue in the gospel now and forever, and preach the gospel whenever we can. I'm sure it wasn't easy to be a follower of Jesus in Timothy's day, and it's, it's not easy today either. But your living word has invaded our world and our hearts, and we thank you for that. Thank you for the God-breathed scriptures. And thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church family as well. Thank you. Father, may your, your covenant faithfulness interrupt our constant fearfulness. Turn our worry into worship today. Thank you for your unrelenting commitment to, to reassure us of your love and grace and sovereignty. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We pray these things in the strong and loving name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.